good to be with you. Uh, if you'd open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made, us, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he uh, purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that in all situations we have the ability and we have reason to sing and to praise you and to offer our worship. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here weekly, year after year, that we are not far from, from the body of Christ. And God, I pray that uh, as we are reminded today of uh, this aspect of worship, I pray that you will illuminate the scriptures to us, that you will bring uh, the history of the, of the scriptures uh, to our minds, and will you put reason once again in our hearts and intention behind what it is and why we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard the story of a man who was actually escorted to church by an angel once. He was escorted to church by an angel. He's like, I'm going to show you. It's obviously an illustration, okay? But he, <laughs> maybe the man was dead, I don't know. But he was escorted to church by an angel. And he walked in and sat in the pews with the angel. And he noticed that the worship team was playing with a lot of gusto. And there was all these lyrics on the screen. And they seemed to be screaming into the mics. And everybody had their hands up. Yet he heard absolutely nothing in the sanctuary. It was like their lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. Then the pastor came up to preach. He opened up the scriptures. He started reading. He started pounding the pulpit. He started doing all of the pastorly, sermony things. And yet he was hearing nothing come out of this man's mouth. So he turned to the angel and he said, hey, what gives? Like, you know, it, it looks like they're doing stuff, but I'm not hearing anything. And he says, yes, what you are hearing is what we hear on our side of heaven. Absolutely nothing. Because while people are moving their lips, while people are going through the motions, while they're playing the guitar, while they're reading and, and pounding pulpits, their minds and their hearts are completely elsewhere. Now, this is an illustration of where we can be sometimes when we offer up our worship on Sundays. We're, we're currently uh, just talking about Church 101. The last week we talked about giving, and this week we're talking about singing. And these are two different functions of worship. What do we do when we show up to church? <laughs> to church, which already is a funny term because you are the church. It is not just this building. So what, let me rephrase that. When we come to 3700 West Orange, what do we do? Now, last week, we talked about one of the aspects of worship in giving. That is an act of worship. And we learned that we give to God out of what he has already given to us. We acknowledge that, God, you are the God of all things, that you own everything, and that I recognize what you've done for me. And so, in an act of worship, we give our finances back to God. Now, singing. 
is another aspect of worship. A lot of times we confuse worship with singing and we think like, oh, worship, you know, right? And that's what worship is. But singing, I'm going to go through a few uh, different steps of why we sing, but let me kind of define uh, what worship really is, okay? Worship is actually from an old English term that means worth-ship, and that was literally the term, worth-ship. Don't say it too loud, out loud too many times, you might cuss, okay? Maybe that's why they changed it over time to worship. It's literally saying that this is something worthy. This is something worthy of my praise. This is something worthy of my time. This is something worthy of my finances. This is something worthy of time spent with others. This is worthy of my service. Why do we go to Arizona? Why do we go to Peru? Why do we go to Vietnam? Why do we go to Cambodia? These are all acts of worship and joining God in his mission. But we view it as something that is worthy. That is why we come together and sing. Singing is, uh, well, it's fun, isn't it, <laughs> in a way? Last week, uh, Monday, was my birthday. Thank you for those of you who came out to karaoke with me, okay? And I'm sorry for the rest of you. The link was broken on the site. I'm really sorry. I'm not great with technology, but hey, we had a good time, okay? We went and we sang karaoke in a room, in a dingy room for four hours, okay, <laughs> with two microphones, and there were things. It was just a lot of fun. There's something that happens when music is added and people are added and we just come together and we, we do it. Now, back in the day, what did singing look like? Well, uh, sort of like last week, I'll kind of mention a little bit of the history, okay? Last week, we talked about the history of giving through the Old Testament and through church history. I'm not going to go exactly that same route, but I will tell you that uh, the, ancient, uh, the ancient Hebrews, when they would sing, it was not as much about the music, okay? We love our praise team, yes? They did an excellent job. We have drums, we have electric guitar, we have all these things. But way back in the day, they didn't exactly have all this. So the ancient Hebrews would chant, okay? They would chant to their God. And this chanting was quite loud. It was not as rhythmic as we think. There is no Hebrew word, ancient Hebrew word for rhythm. <laughs> okay, so what does that kind of tell you, right? It's going to be a lot of loud talking, but there was still some harmonizing and whatnot. Now, the interesting thing about the ancient Hebrews when they would worship was that it didn't look that different from other neighboring nations, okay? Other nations would also chant and sing songs. However, there was a major difference. When they would sing, the neighboring nations, they would just kind of yell in an attempt to get the attention of a god. So singing was more like, oh god, please, we need rain, right? That was the sort of singing. But when the ancient Hebrews would sing, it was from a different place. It was a recognition of who God is and what he's done, okay? So just like last week when we talked about giving, the same thing applies to this. When we look at the ancient scriptures, it was an understanding of who God is. So one of the first reasons why we sing, okay, point number one basically is we sing to give praise for who God is. Why did I read Ephesians at the very beginning? Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus while he was in prison. But notice that the very first thing that he does, okay, in verse 3, he says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, it's interesting because he is in prison. <laughs> He's locked up. He can't go anywhere. This is not a good situation. But yet his first thing is to praise and to recount some of the things of who God is, some of the aspects of God. We praise for who God is. Unlike uh, still some of the neighboring nations today, okay, when I was in Cambodia several years ago, I remember um, 
going out into the fields to do some work, and it, you know, it's hot over there, you, you're sweaty. There's flies and uh, mosquitoes everywhere, and you're like, oh gosh. And in the midst of all of this, um, there was a funeral going on at one of the homes in the village. And all day from sunup till sundown, all we would hear is, ah! and for like hours, hours. Finally, it stopped. I'm like, okay, maybe they went to lunch or something. I don't know. But, uh, and then it started up. He just took a breath, okay? <laughs> ah! And I'm like, oh my gosh. It's and after a while, I'm a Westerner. I didn't grow up with this. So I'm like, it's getting to my head after a while. And I'm like, ah! and I want to start doing it. And I, I went to our, our pastor, the Muksu there, and I said, hey, what, what, what is this? Like, why is it, ah, what, what, what's happening? Did somebody do something? And he's like, well, it already happened. Somebody died. I'm like, okay, so they're just wailing? Are they afraid? Why? And he says, no, it's just a chant. And he explained a few different religious reasons why in Buddhism they may do that. But overall, I said, is there anything specific that they are chanting about or saying? And he said, no, not really. It's just a chant. Again, it's not much different, right, when it was then from what it is now. We can come together and we can sing songs for no reason, or we can come together and we can sing praise of for who God is and what he's done. Okay, so again, the difference is that when we sing songs, it's number one to praise God. Psalm 148 says, let all the earth praise him. It is an invitation. Hey, the stars, the heavens, the moon, all things, that he has created all things. In the middle of that, in Psalm 148, verse 5, it says, for he has commanded and they were created. Okay, we naturally have it in us that when we come together, we offer up our praise. Now, when you're reading the original language, I have a few videos to show you actually today. So, um, <clears throat> but when you're reading the original language, okay, let's, let's, let's give an example here. Let's go over to Psalm 104, okay? I'm going to read you a psalm of praise, and then what I'm going to do is show you a video of what ancient Hebrew sounds like, and they sort of modernized the music. They didn't always have the music that they had, okay? They didn't always have drums and lyres and all of that thing. It started just with chanting, and then the music seemed to be secondary to the words, okay? I know that doesn't seem like it nowadays. It's like Hillsong. We're like, yeah, this is awesome. Okay. It was about the words first. So when we look at the book of Psalms, we see a lot of songs. There's poems and songs, and they were meant to be sung. This was around the time of King David. He started instituting these as, hey, in the temple, this is the music that we should be singing. This is the Psalter. Right? There are other songs in the Bible. There's obviously the Song of Solomon, which is like the first R&B like, groove ever. Right? It is a very sexy, sexual uh, sort of thing. There's also Lamentations, which is like the dark, grungy sort of thing. So, But Psalm 104, it, it, it seems kind of dry when we just read it. Let me give you an example. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He lay, and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. You're like, okay, got it. See, we today may read through some of the Psalms and some of these different songs, like what, what Paul may have like, written as this lyrical sort of thing, and we're like, okay, this seems kind of dry and dense. But what I want to show you is uh, that it's actually quite, 
celebratory, there is something behind it. And I'd like to show a little video. It's just about a minute long uh, of, of these artists in Israel who uh, have some updated music, but they are singing the exact lyrics that we have just read here. So uh, if tech team, you could show that. Hopefully the subtitles are there. Nope, try again. And that's probably where they were singing <laughs> in the middle of the desert. All right, check this out. It's just to demonstrate and to show you that sort of celebratory spirit that is behind what, what you may read sometimes that may seem a little dry. Just keep in mind, like, whoa, this, this, is, this was what they would praise and chant to their God with in the Old Testament. So he has commanded, he has created all things. And, and the next point that I want to just point out when it comes to praise is that you are actually built for praise. Okay, you are actually built to praise. I am not kidding you. Uh, in fact, when I was putting this research together for this sermon, when I was doing my research, what dawned on me is, hey, we actually have a TLC member who just graduated with her master's in music therapy. Her name is Mylin, and uh, she could not make it here today. Uh, I was going to invite her to come up and speak just about, you know, biologically what happens when we sing, when we praise, what, what really happens, like, at a scientific level. I'm always interested in that sort of thing. And she's like, oh, I'm out of town, but um, I can send in a video. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to show the video. It's about six or seven minutes of her just talking about, don't worry, she's prettier than I am, so you can probably stare at the screen for seven minutes. Um, but she's going to speak a little bit about just how God made us uh, in this way to, to praise. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and show that video, Mylene. Hi, everyone. It's Mylene here. So today I'll be sharing with you a little bit about music, how it works in the brain, and why we sing as an act of worship. So first and foremost, uh, music is a very powerful medium that activates many different areas of your brain whether you're listening to it or are actively creating it. Music is basically just sound waves that are mechanical energy which enters your ears and are then uh, converted into electrical energy in your brain. And this electric, electrical energy allows the neurons in your brain to continue to fire all the time. And this is important because your brain is the powerhouse into uh, the dictation of what you say and think and do and feel, etc. 
So music has the ability to keep all of these things working and firing and wiring together. Uh, music has a lot of different roles in your brain, one of which is the uh, it allows for the release and inhibition of different hormones. For example, dopamine. You've heard before that dopamine is, you know, those feel-good neurotransmitters, right, that allow you to just, uh, just to feel more positive and more happy. It's a happy drug. It also plays a really important role in uh, the reward system as well. So sometimes when you listen to music, you get this rush of euphoria, and that has to do with you know, the uh, the release of dopamine. Another interesting thing is that music um, has been shown to increase levels of immunoglobulin A, which is the body's uh, natural immune protein. It acts as the the body's first defense of uh, against bacteria and infection and stuff like that. So that's pretty interesting. Another important hormone that I will talk about later too is uh, the release of oxytocin. And this is pretty much a neurotransmitter that is a connecting neurotransmitter between human beings. And lastly, music has actually been shown to decrease levels of cortisol, which is a stress uh, response hormone. So, some pretty interesting things that are happening. So, why singing? Singing uses shared networks of speech and language in your brain. So, when you're engaged in the act of singing, you're pretty much communicating and expressing yourself with one another. It's just in a different form. In the case of worship singing, you are communicating to God and expressing what you're going through. And because music taps into so many different areas of your brain, you are expressing what's happening internally, which is why we have songs of joy and excitement and hope. But then we also have songs of sorrow and regret and worry because these are just, you know, just a little bit of the range of human emotions. It's actually really cool if you think about it, like, your whole being, your anatomy, and your physiology is very musical. For example, take your heart, right? Your heart has a steady, consistent rhythm in which it operates to deliver blood all over your body. So what happens when your heart goes out of sync or out of rhythm? You'll encounter irregular heartbeats, which in turn causes all sorts of problems, right? Like ranges from something as mild as dizziness or shortness of breath to more severe problems like strokes or heart attack. Think of your body as an orchestra, right? Your heart is the bass drum that keeps a steady beat. The blood that's flowing through your body, think of that as like, I don't know, the, uh, the string section right that carries the melody it goes all over your system it goes high it goes low it goes all around and it fluctuates it's very dynamic even something as minute as like the blinking of your eyes that's very rhythmic and it's a very slight maneuver but that's also something that's working in tandem with your system to keep you functioning so if you really think about it each and every single one of you is a walking talking musical symphony 
Okay, so going back to what I was saying before about oxytocin. So oxytocin is an interesting neurotransmitter. When we are engaged in music and in the act of listening or creating to it, it, we release oxytocin in our system. And this hormone is actually what's called a a love hormone. It's known as a love hormone is because this creates trust and attachment between human beings. Therefore, it allows us to have empathy amongst one another. So, which in turn, it's a way to unite us together. So actually, there have been studies uh, that have shown that the longer period of time that a group of people engage in the act of singing together, the more that they are reported in feeling more connected to each other. In service or wherever, when we lift up our voices together, we are connected in vision and in spirit to a certain subject. In this case, it's God. Tying this back to what I said before about how our physiological creation is musical, it just makes sense that we lift this music back up to God who created us in the first place. It reminds me of the song from, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's that band? Uh, All Sons and Daughters, the one where it goes, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. So it's, it's that same concept because he breathed life into us. He created us to be a walking, talking symphony it's just natural to pour out this music, this worship, back into him. Uh, that's just a little snapshot of into like the mechanisms of music and how it relates to us and why we engage in this process of music making, um, especially in worship. Uh, I hope that you all followed along into what I said. I mean, I can talk about this for days and days and days, but. You are very limited in your sermon, and so I will give you back to Evan. We get the idea that uh, basically we, we were built to worship. We were built to praise. And, and there are certain, I, I really like what she said about the dopamine, about there's certain just physiological things that God has already wired into us that when we praise, when we literally sing, we do get those dopamine hits that we do. Like it is something that our bodies enjoy. It also creates oxytocin. It also creates a lot of, uh, if, if you are in a slump, okay, there are times uh, when I go through depression at times. And, uh, and there are days when I just don't want to come in and sing, right? I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like, what is there to sing about? I just want to crawl in a hole, right? But actually, it's, it's proven that uh, it can act as an antidepressant as well. So even when you don't feel like singing, coming in to praise God, and when we are prompted as a church, like, hey, let's give God praise, it elevates us out of that mood physiologically, but it also gets our mindsets back on, on something greater than ourselves, and that's God, right? So number one, we praise God when we sing. Number two, we remember, and this, this is a big one, okay? We remember what God has done, and it is a way of learning, okay? It is actually a way of learning more about who God is. I've heard many stories of people uh, um, in Vietnam who, who were telling me, yeah, well, I first got involved with the church because I was invited to a choir, if you notice, uh, the Vietnamese uh, ministry of our church, a lot of the older folks, they're all, they've been in the choir together for 
Uh, I don't want to say how many years because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> okay, maybe they're like, we haven't been, we're not even that old. Okay, but they've been together a long time, and, they, and many of them, when I, when I asked, they said, well, we first kind of came into the church because we heard the songs, and we were wondering, like, oh, what is this? Okay, song, okay, this is kind of fun, I guess. And, and they would read the words, and they'd get to know more about who God is. And, and, as, and it was so vastly different from the rest of the lyrics of the rest of the world. In the Old Testament, we have examples from Miriam's song. If you remember right after they crossed the, 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 the river, the Red Sea, the first thing that Miriam uh, did was she sang a song, and she got the ladies together, and we have that in Exodus 15 uh, or 16. <clears throat> and they sang the song of like, hey, God just did this. He's an awesome God. And it was something that could be carried over into the following generations. We see that as well in Psalm 106. It's one of those song, the psalms, if you were to flip there, you just read, it's their, almost their entire history. Even the times that they shied away from God, it was a way that the ancient uh, Israelites were able to retain information and to teach the next generation through song. Into the New Testament, it was, it was vitally important to the Apostle Paul and to others that as long as there is growth in the church, as long as you are spiritually maturing, that is what mattered over and above what style of music and whatnot. If you were to read through uh, Colossians 3.15 with me, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with what? with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Interesting that Paul chose to say that. He's like, hey, this is a tool that you have at your disposal to learn more about who Christ is. Let that resonate in your heart. Let the peace of, of the message resonate in your heart and teach it to one another, to the next generation. Learn it. Grow in this area. My question for you is when we come to church service, when we come to church service, right? When we come to 3700 West Orange and we come together and we're reading these lyrics on a screen, okay? Are we really learning and growing? And this is a challenge even to our worship team, okay? I love Hillsong, okay? I'm not, not you know, they're great, they're fun. But a lot of pastors will slam them and say, well, there's not a lot of rich theology going on here. And that's true. When there are songs that are like, take, take, take it all, and I'm like, Take all of what? Can I get context? You're expecting me to take my clothes off? What, what do you want from me here? Right? So I know we may poo-poo old hymnals. I love when, when uh, new like, praise bands will come together and kind of resurrect some of the old hymnals because some of those lyrics are spot on from the scriptures. But in any rate, are we actually absorbing some of these concepts when it says that Jesus has died for my sins, when there's nothing but the blood of Jesus that makes me righteous? Do we read these lyrics and are we taking this in and remembering who our God is? Or do we just come in because it's like, well, that's the intro music for the late people, you know, before the message. No, it's not intro music. This is actually part of your worship experience as a church. It is one way that we give worth to God is to remember who our God is. There are many things lyrically that, that talk about different aspects of what that means to be a child of God, that we no longer have to be afraid. There are some people who, who had a really rough week who come in and they just need to hear that, that our God is still in charge, even when we don't feel like it. We may need to hear that we're clean, that we are accepted by God, 
because we've had a rough week where we were just blasting everybody around, and we need to be reminded of the gospel and how great God is. And we can see that through singing and through those lyrics, right? We're not worshiping the music, okay? We're not worshiping the artists or the, the, uh, the instrumentalists that are up here. Okay? We're worshiping our God and we're remembering. So what is it that you do when you are singing? Okay? Are you remembering what Christ has done? Are you remembering and are you resonating with some of the things that we're singing about? Are you resonating with God? Or is it just a cool tune? Or is it just intro music? Okay. Now, for some of us, we grew up in a very individualistic society where we may be thinking like, well, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't really want to sing. Like, you know, they don't need my voice. It's, it's very, you know, I'm off tune and all of that. But actually, one big reason, and, and I'm glad that Mylin pointed it out, um, that God, it can be confirmed that, hey, God made us this way, is there's a release of oxytocin, and we see that that is a bonding agent. Okay, she called it the love hormone, but it's also a bonding agent. For example, when you pet a dog, does anybody here have a dog or a cat? Okay, when you pet your dog, okay, you get a rush of oxytocin, which is like, oh, I love you, doggy, right? And, and likewise, the dog, when you're petting the dog, is like, I love you, master, right? It's, <laughs> it's also getting that rush of oxytocin, and that's what bonds you. It's actually what God also puts in you, uh, into married couples when they are intimate together, there's this rush of oxytocin, and it keeps them together as a married couple, okay? That is why we say do not have sex outside of marriage, because you'd, you'll be blinded, literally, by all of these chemicals, okay? But scripturally, we, we have a lot of room for that as well. We know that our God is a communal God, and so he values community. He built us to be together. He himself is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He himself is a walking community, and he builds us that way as well. And so when we come together to sing, it's not just for us and for us to learn and grow and then we leave. You can do that by watching a sermon on the internet. It's actually to strengthen and unify the entire community. In Psalm 22, 22, uh, the psalmist writes, I, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Okay? I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. It was, the idea was that they came together for worship and as they were singing and chanting, they had this understanding that it's not just about me, but it's about this whole community. And there are days when my brother or my sister may need me to sing for them. I had read about an author who uh, was, was going through cancer treatment. And there were days where she was just so weak, she barely could make it into her church service. And she, she wrote, and I, I, she said, I remember being, you know, like, oh, I really want to sing, but... I need my brothers and sisters to sing for me today. I still want to offer up my song to God. I'm just so weak that I can't. I need you. Okay? We do this as a community because it strengthens all of us. You may think like, no, uh, I don't, it's just my, my I, I just, I don't have the voice for singing. It's not about you. It's about singing and lifting up to God and note that it does strengthen others. I have a brother who I love very dearly. He is tone deaf. Okay, I used to, it was about eight years ago, we would sit together at church, and, and we, you know, I'd be like, oh, God, I can't, I love this song, I want to praise, I'm going to bless the Lord, and then I'm like, oh, bless the Lord, and he's next to me, he's like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul, and I'm like, gosh, what's wrong with this guy, and so the next week, I like went to the other side of the congregation, I'm like, I'm going to stay away from that, I could still hear him from across the room, I'm like, oh, brother, this guy, but after a while, I came to realize that, no, but you know what? He loves Jesus, and he's still offering up his all. He's not caring about, like, what do I sound like? 
Now, the interesting thing is that he's Vietnamese, so I'm like, how, do you, how is a Vietnamese person tone deaf? You have six tones. Anyway, I didn't understand how he could be tone deaf musically, but it's a different part of the brain, so I guess I, guess I get it. But the point was that he had a song in his heart, and he wanted to sing to his God in the midst of the community around him. There may be times when you may be thinking like, man, I just, I can't. Evan, I want to come here and sing. I get it. Like, okay, I'm invited to sing. We all stand up. We clap our hands. Some of us are offbeat, whatever. But I just can't. I had such a devastating week. You don't get it. Can I remind you that, that Jesus sang? <laughs> Jesus actually sang just, you know when we have that he sang? It was right before going to the cross. It was at the Last Supper. And he sang, and traditionally, they would have sang something like Psalm 117 through 19. We don't know exactly what they sang. We're, we're assuming that it was that. But he was able to sing with his brothers. This was right after he, ha- he suffered a betrayal. He knew that Judas Iscariot left. He knew what he was about to endure. And in the darkest of times, yet it says, and Jesus sang a hymn. And then they departed. Can I remind you that the Psalter that we have, the Psalms, most of them, uh, or at least over a third of them, are, are laments. That means that there is like, God, I don't know why this is happening. This sucks. I can't believe it. Can you imagine that as a song? We have them still today. But there's always this recurring refrain that says in some of these Psalms that even though I'm going through something really rough, I still trust you. I'll still lift up my song because I trust that you're bigger than my situation. So again, why do we sing? One, we sing to praise God. Two, we sing to remember and to learn about him. And three, we sing to strengthen one another. The final, the final thing, the final note is, go to Acts uh, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 26. This is Paul. Well, you'll read through it. He went through a pretty bad situation here. Paul and Silas, uh, in Acts chapter 16, verse 22, it says, The crowd joined him. We have it up there. The crowd joined in attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. So, were they having a great day? No, not really. That's not in there. That was me. You could go to the next verse. <laughs> it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Note that. They had a pretty messed up day. They were doing God's work. They were accused. They were, they were laughed at. They were mocked. They were stripped publicly. They were naked. They were beaten. They were placed into this inner cell. I mean, imagine trying to go to the bathroom while your feet are locked in stocks. That sucks. And yet they're tired. But yet at midnight, it says, go back one verse for me. It says, yet at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And notice this. So one, that would have strengthened each other. But two, notice this. Who's benefiting from this as well? The other prisoners. And the other prisoners, I wish I could show you more and more. There there are so many different uh, examples of this through Scripture. But yet it was to proclaim 
There is an element of proclamation when we sing as a people. And this was always God's intention that other people may know more about who he is. And song seems to be something that resonates with a lot of people. Uh, Pastor Min actually stole my thunder. I was going to direct you to Psalm 67 as well, if we could read through that. May God be gracious to us, it says, and bless us and make his face shine on us. Now, I've, I've heard of congregations, uh, American congregations, who will sing something like that at the end of their service, and they would stop there, which amazes me, because read the, the rest of it. It's not just about us. May God bless us. May we continue to be blessed. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule uh, the peoples with equity and guide the nations of this earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. It's a proclamation. It's not only that we come here and praise. That is a big one. When we come together, we call it praise. We come here to offer up our voices, even during those hard times when it is literally, as Hebrews 13 says, a sacrifice of our lips. But we praise our God, one. Two, we remember, as we are reading through, that we're actively thinking through what we are singing. Okay? Three, that we are strengthening one another. In those days when you've had a rough week, or you're just like me right now, I'm sick, I'm not doing too well, okay? We strengthen one another, we stay in community, and four, we proclaim to the rest of the world. It's been said that anybody can sing from a hilltop, okay? When everything's going great, it's easy to be able to say, well, you know, this is, this is great, praise God, but can you sing from a valley? It's during those times when you're able to sing, even in the valley, that people take note of that, when your true faith comes out. And when the world is able to say, man, they're going through a lot. Why are you still joyous? What's still, why are you able to praise your God? Because he's great. Because he's great. So I'm going to challenge you before we end in prayer, and I've asked the, the praise team to kind of extend their, uh, their set at the very end in response, because I want us to give, I want to give a little more time uh, uh, to practice singing, to be able to practice uh, thinking through who our God is and to be able to engage in worship in this way. If you're having trouble uh, singing today, maybe, just, maybe today you just need to sit down and assess your relationship with God, where you're at. Why am I not able to just lift up even just a little thing to him? And the same goes for all of these forms of worship, for giving, for fellowship, for praying. There are times that we need to just sit down with God and say, you know, why, why, am, I, why am I not being able to, why, why can't I do this, God? What's going on in my heart? So again, we sing to remember, we sing to praise, we sing to unify, and we sing to proclaim to the rest of the world who our God is. So can we come before?